Well, good morning, Emmanuel. My name is Will Chester, and I'm the youth pastor over at Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. It's great to be with you this morning. I'm joining you from my backyard, and so um, greetings to you wherever you are this morning. I hope that you're well. By now, uh, many of us have experienced this phenomenon known as Zoom fatigue. So a friend of mine put it to me this way. He said, you know, one hour on Zoom is like two in the room. There's just something uniquely exhausting about video chatting with people. And maybe you're even finding yourself triggered right now as I share this because you're watching me on a screen. I hope not. Well, researchers say that one reason we feel this fatigue is because of the, the disconnect that's created between our minds and our bodies. So there's so much that we communicate with our bodies, with our posture and our movements. There's so much we, we you know, so many messages we give and receive through body movement. And so on Zoom, where we're confined to this little Brady Bunch box, our minds are forced to overcompensate, to communicate what our, what our bodies aren't able to. And we find ourselves exhausted and strained. The body matters. And we've always known that, but we're discovering that in new ways. It's why all of a sudden we find ourselves talking to strangers on the street. Because what we miss isn't even so much talking to people, but just being with them. It's why we used to go to concerts, because it's not just about hearing the music, but it's about being there with the artist. It's why we'd pay so much money to sit in the furthest bleacher seats at Wrigley, just to be there. Even though it's, it's not as good of a, you know, even though you can't see the players as well as you could at home, there's just something about being there with your body that's different, that's superior. Our bodies matter. Being there matters. And so many of us have felt spiritually strained during this season because we can't be there to worship together. And we feel strained because faith is not simply a mental exercise, but faith is embodied in our physical fellowship together, in the physical reverberations of sound as we sing and pray together, in the physical sacraments of bread and wine and water. I mean, whoever thought that we would miss passing the peace so much? I mean, what I would give to be able to pass the peace with you this morning, and yet we're unable to. And so we feel strained because we rely on this rhythm of being there to strengthen and uphold us in our spiritual lives. Well, the story of Thomas speaks into this longing that we have to be there. Because on that first Sunday of Easter, when Jesus appeared to his disciples, Thomas wasn't there. He heard about it secondhand, and that wasn't good enough. He said, I'll never believe, not unless I can see him and touch him myself. Not unless I'm there and he's there with me. And John, the writer of this gospel, means for us to empathize with Thomas. Because like Thomas, we weren't there either. And what John wants us to know is that faith is not like a Zoom call. Faith is not a second-best virtual alternative to being there. But faith is, in fact, a real encounter with Jesus. More real and better, in fact, than seeing Him. 
And if that's hard to believe, then trust me, I'm right there with you. Because when I read verse 29, where Jesus says to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, I can't help but feel like he's trying to cheer me up because I missed out. It's like a parent telling their kids, well, sorry guys, I know the park's closed, but that's good news because we can have our own fun at home. And Jesus isn't flattering us when he says, blessed are those who have believed and have not seen. Faith really is better than seeing. And Thomas is the first to find that out. So why is faith better than seeing? We'll begin there this morning. Why is faith better than seeing? The first reason is because seeing isn't always believing. Being there is no guarantee of actually seeing something for what it truly is. And so there's a great story that uh, the, the late writer David Rakoff once told on This American Life. He said to Ira Glass, you know, I've always had this negative capacity to identify trends. And he gives this example. In the 1980s, he's working in Tokyo, Japan as a young college graduate. And the IT department at his company was, was really excited about this thing that they were setting up. It was this program where you could log on and you could write a short little message to someone far away. And David was unimpressed. He said, what kind of loser, what kind of loser would log onto a computer just to talk to someone? I mean, pick up the phone. And so he went into work the next day and he, he quit. He said, sayonara suckers, good luck with your network. And of course, what David couldn't see at the time is that that network ended up becoming a little thing that we all know as the internet. He was right there, but he couldn't see. You know, earlier in his life, he had been to a dance club in college and he heard this young singer from Michigan. He said, oh boy, is she lousy. And that turned out to be Madonna. And later he worked in publishing and he got this manuscript, it came across his desk, and he said, what is this? This is, this is subliterate drivel. This is an easy pass. And that manuscript turned out to be Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, one of the best-selling books of the 1990s. Seeing isn't always believing. And the writer John makes the same point throughout his gospel. See, the Gospel of John is called the Book of Signs because Jesus' miracles in the, in the Gospel are meant to function as signs that point to his identity as the Son of God. But throughout this, uh, you see that in verse 31. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. But throughout the Gospel, there's a theme that follows many of these signs. And it's this, that the people see, but they don't believe. Seeing doesn't guarantee believing. Because there's something better than being there. Believing is better than seeing. And Thomas experienced this firsthand. See, Thomas, he had his criteria in his mind for what it would take for him to believe. Verse 25, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And notice how much he emphasizes touch, the importance of that for him. Thomas had resigned himself to 
to a certain experience of God. His faith, his faith was limited unless those criteria were met. And like Thomas, some of us have resigned ourselves during this crisis to a certain experience of faith. We say, I just don't expect to grow right now. I just don't expect to feel connected to Jesus right now. I don't expect to feel connected to the church during quarantine. We just have to get through and things will be different on the other side. Like Thomas, we believe that there's a criteria for belief that requires being there. But on that second Sunday of Easter, when Jesus appeared again to his disciples, Thomas's criteria went away. Jesus addresses Thomas and he says, put your finger here and, and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. He, he offers himself to Thomas. He says, don't disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas does. I mean, what happens next is surprising. The text doesn't say that Thomas went and touched him. Instead, after all of that, he, he didn't need to touch him. Instead, what we hear is that Thomas exclaims, My Lord and my God. And that expression is important. See, Thomas is saying more than, It's really you, or you're alive. He's recognizing Jesus, but in a new and deeper way, in a way that he's never seen him before, in a way that no one else has ever seen Jesus before. And pause here for a minute. It's Thomas, doubting Thomas, who is the first to call Jesus Lord God. Not just Lord as in master or teacher as they were used to calling him, but Lord God, Yahweh himself in human flesh. And this is, this is the high point, the climax of John's entire gospel. Thomas, doubting Thomas is the first to understand the truth that John uses to begin his gospel, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Thomas wasn't there to see Jesus on that first Easter Sunday, but he's the first to see Jesus, to truly see Him. And it wasn't, uh, what was it that opened his spiritual eyes? It wasn't having his criteria met. He didn't need to touch Jesus like he thought he did. And what he, what he sees is actually more than he could ever see with his eyes. He doesn't just see a man risen from the dead. But Thomas sees God himself standing before him. And that's something that you can't see with your eyes. You can only see it through the eyes of faith. Thomas sees because Thomas believes. Which means that seeing is good, but believing is better. Because believing offers you so much more to see. It's like the difference between visiting a museum and, and looking around kind of naively at the paintings and saying, oh, these are pretty paintings. And then learning about art history where you understand why the Renaissance was so revolutionary, so remarkable, and all of a sudden you, you enter the museum and these aren't just pretty pictures, but these are entire worlds 
filled with story and meaning and beauty. The miracle of the resurrection is wonderful, and it would have been wonderful to see Jesus risen from the dead, but understanding what the sign points to is even better. That in Jesus, God himself has come among us and defeated death once and for all. And I would take knowing that truth about Jesus, knowing him in that way, in all his glory, I would take that over seeing a miracle any day of the week. Faith doesn't require being there like other experiences do. And John didn't write this gospel to brag and say, um, you know, make us feel left out because we were born at a different time and place. You know, it's not like you're saying, oh, it was awesome to be there. It was amazing to be in Chicago when the Bulls won those six championships. Yeah, there's never going to be another Michael Jordan. He's the GOAT. He's the last one. Sorry you missed out. But, you know, you can watch the replay on The Last Dance. John doesn't say that. John doesn't say that you missed out. In fact, he says the opposite. He says you have an opportunity to experience the exact same life of God that he experiences. Because that life comes not through seeing something with your eyes, not through being there, but that life of God comes through faith. The life of God isn't stuck in a past event. It's open to all of us now through faith. You can see Jesus in all his glory, even without being there yourself. And so let's transition and think again about this situation that we're in right now. Many of us feel that our, the, the strength of our spiritual life depends on being there. Being there in church on Sundays, in community, at the table of the Lord's Supper. And these things are truly good gifts. These, these things are truly good gifts that strengthen our faith. It's okay to miss them. It's okay to feel the impact of those things not being there. But perhaps this situation is a bit like fasting from food. Fasting helps us realize that we need more than food, more than physical nourishment to survive. Fasting teaches us that we need the life of God. And so in this time, as we're fasting from being there with one another, we're able to see that we need more than being there to believe. We can worship on Sundays and still miss the point. Community is good, but we need more than community. Worship is good, but we need more than the good feelings that come from singing. Liturgy and structure are good, but we need more than religion. We need the life of God. And the life of God is available to us wherever we are through the risen Christ by the power of our Helper the Spirit who makes Him present to us, present to our bodies, right here, right now. In this time of being stretched and strained, we are learning imperfectly, but learning to recognize Jesus anew with spiritual eyes. And it's a challenge, but like Thomas, our faith is being strengthened right now. See, faith is more than an intellectual exercise. It's more than believing a set of facts about God. Faith is about trust. 
It's about abiding, leaning into Jesus, just as the beloved disciple leaned into Jesus, just as Jesus himself leaned into his Father. Believing is abiding. And our circumstances do not prevent us from abiding in God. And Jesus is our chief example of this. When he says in John 16, verse 32, that even in his darkest hour, even when the disciples would scatter and leave him all alone, Jesus said, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Jesus was never separated from the love of God. He never stopped abiding in the Father's love, even in his anguish. And the same can be true of you and me, that though we are stretched and strained, though we are cut off from these sources of strength that we've relied on, we still share in the triune life and love of God. We can still abide in Him through faith, through His Holy Spirit. Perhaps Jesus is using distance, not being there, for us in the same way he used it for Thomas, to show us something new. Because when being there is not possible, when our ordinary ways of being connected to Jesus are not possible, we can more clearly see the truth that he is here in our hearts, calling us to abide in him. And it hurts. It's not easy. Just like fasting from food hurts and is not easy. But Jesus has not left us as orphans. He says to us, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That's not a truth that you can see with your eyes. That's, something that, that's not something that being there can guarantee or give you. It's something that you can only receive through the eyes of faith. I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And so, Emmanuel, I want to encourage you, in the name of Jesus, that you are not alone. You do not have to resign yourself to a second-hand experience of Jesus during this season, because He is here with you right now even though we can't be there with one another your faith is being stretched right now but God is not trying to create distance from you instead he's using this season to draw you closer to teach you to abide in new and deeper ways than you ever have before and so blessed are those who haven't seen Blessed are those who aren't there and yet have believed. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.